Hey, I'm Shane from Shane's Law. I'm here today with John, one of the attorneys here at Shane's Law, the Brain and Concussion Injury Group here. This is an episode of Mind Matters, navigating head injuries and concussions. If you like this kind of podcast, please hit the bell for notifications and uh, like and subscribe. John, uh, today we're going to talk about symptoms and injuries right after a car accident, right? Specifically those injuries as they relate to the head. What's the most common injury? What comes up the most? Absolutely, Shane. So, you know, that's going to be our discussion today about the immediate concussion symptoms. A lot of times we see dizziness, we see nausea, just a uh, the client not understanding what's going on, where they are. These are some of the main ones that we see. So John, when I think of a concussion in a car accident, I'm always thinking about the person who blacks out, who hits their head and is totally unconscious. Is that all that common or are there other stuff that happens a whole lot as well? You know, that is one of the possible outcomes, Shane, but it is, it's actually a more rare outcome. There are so many different shades of gray, if you will, and different types of brain injuries along the spectrum. But the more common ones we see or is typically where the client appears almost disoriented, drunk sometimes, as really? family and friends describe. They're a loved one who sustained some degree of a concussion and just being kind of all over the place. There's of course the Glasgow Coma Scale where you know if you are completely blacked out and non-responsive, that's typically very bad. But there, <laughs> yeah, there's a whole nother level and, and the vast majority of these head injuries usually result in lesser kind of outcomes than a, than a full blackout, not, not being non-responsive. Usually it's more like they're disoriented and even sometimes they may even be talking to the uh, EMS personnel or first responders and then days later just not even remember that they were having conversations. Really? So I was going to say, so let's break those down a little bit. So to me, when I when you tell me somebody who's disoriented so much they appear drunk, that seems frightening that they hit their head hard enough that I guess things are all jumbled up, right? How can friends and family sort of identify that? What would tip, tip the hat that, hey, they're probably not drunk, they probably hit their head or something else. I mean, is there anything that would key them into that or? Uh... Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why the range of outcomes vary so much when someone initially gets into the accident. I mean, if they're with a family member that knows them well, um, that family member is going to say, you know, wow, something's off here. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're, you're saying and doing things you don't normally do. But if you're in the car, maybe in the back seat and, and you get rear-ended of, of an Uber, the Uber driver might not know if that's you or if that's someone else. So same goes with the first responders. Sometimes they don't adequately assess the degree of the head injury because as well as maybe a family member could knowing that they were in an accident that where they hit their head and that's just simply because it can be very nuanced and and the person's change in their personality is only something that a close friend or family member would recognize so we would certainly say if you've been in a car accident certainly a serious car accident but but a car accident and friends and family afterwards are like, hey, this seems a little odd. Even if they've been checked out by a first responder, what, what should they do? Would they take them to the hospital? Would they take them to their doctor? What, what, should, what should they do if it seems weird? Absolutely. If, if you suspect any degree of a, of a concussion or head injury, you absolutely need to, at the very least, go and, and see some level of a, of a medical professional, whether that's an urgent care 
or a ER um, so that you can do the follow-up diagnostic tests and be cleared by a true specialist. So, so the fact that a first responder shined the light in your face and moved on, that, that's not a good indicator that there was no head injury at all, is there? No, the only real assessment, unless it's completely evident to the EMS, like you're, you have a skull fracture, the only real assessment they're doing is usually the Glasgow Coma Scale, which is going to assess the injured person's responsiveness level so that they can gauge how bad is this. But the real kind of specific diagnosis, diagnoses are gonna occur later at the medical facility. Um, and that's gonna be done by an ER doctor or a neurologist um, through things like, you know, the clinical evaluation of the client, um, a CT scan, later maybe a brain MRI or having an actual neurologist come in. What is sort of the, uh, when we talk about immediate injuries, right? What is sort of that time period when friends and family would notice something is off a little bit. Is that like right after the accident? Is it like two, three days? Is it like a week? What What's the most common area in the, where I'm looking for immediate symptoms? Absolutely. So it's usually directly following the impact. Okay. Um, and when that brain either hits the steering wheel or the inside of your own skull or the back of the headrest when you're coming back in that hard whiplash fashion that can be so fast and so immediate that sometimes people don't even know they hit their head. So they're not looking for the cracked windshield kind of deal, right. that cracked side glass, I guess. That, I mean, there's so many things in the car you can hit your head on. Yeah, absolutely. And that headrest is not going to be soft enough to, to fix the issue? Un unfortunately not. The technology is not yet there. That, that, that head hitting the back of that soft cushion seat is enough to still cause a concussion and a mild brain injury. When you talk about headrests, you know, behind, you're actually supposed to put those a certain specific way as well for them to be effective. And I, I don't know, when I'm getting cars, I don't generally move the headrest around for myself. I just get in and, and ride. Right, yeah. I do the same thing. <laughs> you know, so so that that's clearly another issue that exacerbates this problem. What I wanted to ask is you said sometimes, you know, the EMTs, first responders, they're checking them out and they think the person's totally fine. And is that just because they don't know the person? Is that what it is? They, or is it because that gap in memory and stuff just hasn't shown up yet or, or what's going on with the person? Right, that's not like a full brain injury assessment that's occurring immediately at the scene. It's really just to assess, is this person living or potentially on the way to not be not living? Um, it, it's really kind of a more of emergency triage type thing. And so that's why it's so important to get to a doctor. And you asked previously, you know, what can you do in that initial phase? There's gonna be some big indicators. Sometimes we see our clients talking about nausea, some actually vomit at the scene. Okay. Um, that's a classic brain injury symptom. So if that so happens, definitely. Clear as day, you need to go to the doctor immediately, um, mm -hmm. probably to the ER. And those symptoms that family members can pick up on, you know, those will last sometimes for minutes to hours. And then depending on the severity of the brain injury, they will resolve. So that's why it's so important to kind of, we, we find out what happened at the scene. A lot of times as an attorney, we'll look at the EMS record because they're the first people there. Okay. Um, and you know, if we don't have any witnesses, that's sometimes the best information we have. And we'll, we'll see that a lot of times the EMS personnel will, 
you know, give great notes as to what they noticed. Um, was the person not making sense? Were they not able to answer questions? You know, like what day is it? Who's our president? You, you see these questions a lot by the movies, right? Right. Yeah. Like just the basic stuff. Those are such valuable, valuable notes because sometimes that stuff improves quickly um, with a client. And then we just may never know that they did sustain a head injury until later it comes up you know, maybe weeks later, they still have the sensitivity to light. They still have the headaches. Um, they still have irritability and are forgetting things. And we don't necessarily see it because of there either no witnesses or it wasn't documented by the so US. So be because the fact that my, I had nausea or dizziness at the time, but it got better by the time, say, my wife got to the scene two hours later, that doesn't mean there was no head injury. Right, Again, uh, it can happen that quickly sometimes where the symptoms improve. And sometimes depending, if it's a bad injury, then it can go on for days and days. But just because it gets better, it doesn't mean I'm all better, really. I mean, absolutely not. Unfortunately, once a brain injury has occurred, the, the, you know, the studies are pretty clear on the fact that there is no cure, unfortunately. There's treatment, there's rehabilitation, there's ways that you can change your life. But if you in fact did sustain a brain injury, it can develop into a progressive disease, uh, neurodegeneration, usually not good. Now there's of course various degrees of them from mild to severe, but um, once they occur, they're they're there. And is, it, and if, is a concussion the same as a brain injury? Yes, a concussion is a form of a brain injury. So that's just, so if they say you have a concussion, you've had a brain injury of some type. Correct. It's just, where is it on the spectrum? Exactly, a concussion and the later post-concussion post syndrome. Um, you know, a brain injury from mild to moderate to severe traumatic, it's just kind of how they classify the uh, progression of the, of the brain injury disease. I mean, but the, the severe and traumatic, those are the ones we, we see on TV kind of deal, but we don't see a lot of people talking about the mild and the moderate kind of deal. It can still impact your life significantly, right? just as much of an impact. Yeah, the, in, in the movies and TV and Hollywood, a lot of times it's person has hit their head, catastrophic, and they're in a coma or need to learn how to walk again. We certainly see those, but there is a whole nother world of brain injury out there where it is just as long of a battle and lifetime challenge for our clients who have sustained some of these uh, mild and moderate brain injuries. And, and one of the things I've seen with the mild and moderate people is they've got the symptomology, you know, that stuff happened in the beginning. They, they have symptomology that continues on and they start to doubt whether it's real or not or whether it's them, it's all in their head kind of deal. Is that one of the, any, is there anything that can help with that? Absolutely. So, you know, we've come such a long way with how we diagnose and assess these things. We're now seeing blood tests where some of uh, brain injury um, breakdowns and the hormonal stuff going on ac actually produces what's called markers in the blood that can be tested through blood tests. Brain imaging has come in advanced, you know, light years since just being able to get a CT scan back in the day. Now we have other things called DTIs, which can really map the flow of water in the brain to see where the injury occurred and create a 3D model. We've also seen improvements with uh, neuropsychologists and how they assess brain injuries uh, through very rigorous uh, battery of cognitive testing. Yeah, you mentioned a blood test. Can, can my primary care doctor just order that? You would have to check. Yeah. I'm not sure, it's relatively new. Um, it's it's the newer of all the big brain tests. So we're kind of seeing a, how wide scale the usage is of it, um, but it's proven to be very reliable. If I think my family member is showing symptoms of this, uh, some kind of brain injury, what do I need to do? You absolutely need to encourage them 
to go and see a doctor at the very least. Um, and to follow up with a specialist too, because we have to remember just like the EMS's main job is to get you alive to the doctor, the ER's job is really to triage people that are in severe, severe, experiencing severe issues. So sometimes the ER will miss certain brain injury uh, markers as well. They'll just do a CT scan and then recommend you follow up to your neurologist. It's usually way down at the sheet they really? give you that says, go see the neurologist. Please, please, I stress to anyone listening out there, if you're told to go and see a neurologist, please do it. Go see the neurologist. Please. Don't go see your family doctor. Yeah. Get in to see the specialist, right? I would say it's almost five to six times out of 10 with our clients we see where, you know, they were told, given what they thought was a pretty clean bill of health from the ER, and then we get them with the neurologist and the neurologist is like, you are nowhere near from being out of the woods yet. Really? Unfortunately, we have a bunch of other tests to do and they suspect a brain injury did in fact occur. And you also mentioned what family members can do, you know, on, on the problem side of this, there was, you know, recently comedian uh, from Full House, Bob Saget, they're now suspecting sustained a fall in his hotel and went to bed instead of seeking treatment. Really? And they think that is, you know, this is, it's still being investigated, but that is the current leading theory as to how he passed away because he went to sleep instead of seeking care at an urgent care or an ER. And, you know, that can happen. That's why the doctors will always recommend if you suspect a brain injury, please get checked out. And I, I've seen stuff in movies where somebody has a concussion, like don't let them sleep or check on them every 30 minutes. Is that kind of the, what they're worried about? Yeah, that's, that's the standard thing. If you have a slow to moderate brain bleed or hematoma, um, it can progress fast and you can be in trouble fast. All right, John, I want to thank you for coming on Mind Matters. Uh, I know you work on a lot of brain injury and concussion clients and help them out. And uh, I think your knowledge is always helpful to them and, and make sure they get the right care they need. For our listeners, if uh, you're interested in, in concussions and brain injuries, I hit like and subscribe. And remember, hit the bell for notifications. And remember, if you're in pain, call Shane at 980-999-9999. If you think a family member has a brain injury or concussion from an accident, John would be a great person to help you. In pain, so I call Shane. 980-999-9999. In pain, call Shane.